Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. I've been sick this week, and as I've been sick, I have spent a lot of time by myself because when you're sick at our house and you've got as many people living in our house, you you get quarantined. And I was quarantined for uh, for a couple of days and, and did a lot of thinking about uh, different things when, when when I could and 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 you can ask Blair. Usually, if I'm just kind of sitting there being quiet, I'm I'm thinking about church. I'm thinking about uh, the job side of it. I'm thinking about the ministry side of it. I'm thinking about the sermon side of it. I'm I'm thinking about some Bible question and and thinking about how. Uh, uh, you know how to find an answer for that. I, I really do think about these types of things quite often, and and so as I was in one of those, and I hated the situation, but I did actually, you know, kind of enjoy a, at least a little while of of not being bothered. I may get sick more often. I don't know. I, it might be the answer to all of it. But I got to thinking about salvation, and I got to thinking about how in our in our church culture. The idea of salvation is something that we have argued over for so long. When really and truly salvation, as far as Jesus was concerned, was never meant to be an issue of contention. It was meant to be an issue of unity. Amen? And so this morning, I want us to go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And I want us to read that verse together. And I want us to contemplate that verse and maybe contemplate that verse in a way maybe you've never thought about it before. You see, here's here's the challenge, I think, with verses that we're real familiar with. Verses and stories that we're real familiar with a lot of times tend to lose their power in our life. They tend to lose their power in our life because we've heard them so many times. We've listened to them, we've quoted them, we've, we've read them, we've had them read to us, we've been through Bible classes about them, we've been through vacation Bible schools about them. It's, it's just when you hear something over and over and over, it's easy for it to lose its importance and the power and the conviction that first came along with it. But when it comes to the issue of salvation, what the Bible teaches about what we must do to become children of God, it's something that never needs to lose its power and its importance in our life. And so today I want us to, to look at this verse, and I want us to look at, at three phrases, if you will, three words. They are repent, baptize, or baptism, and be filled. Because you see, if you are going to be a child of God, all three of those things have to take place in your life. You have to repent, you have to be baptized, and you have to be filled. And we're going to look at the significance of each of those as we go on. So Acts chapter 2, and you you may be thinking, oh, I, I know where you're going, Matthew. You're going to verse 38, yeah. And you may think, I don't need to open my Bible and read that, but I want you to read it with me this morning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And just for fun, so that I'm making sure you're reading, we'll read verse 39 together as well. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children 
and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I like verse 39, even though we don't read it a lot, because you see, verse 39 is about you and me. Verse 38 is about the immediate. Verse 39 is about everyone else. And, and it ties us right into verse 38 in our own lives. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin to, to, to talk about this this morning. God, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the hope that comes from being cleansed, being purified, being made holy in your sight. I thank you for the opportunities it gives us in life, the opportunity of a fresh start for many of us, an opportunity of a new family for many of us, an opportunity of great relationships, of a father that loves us beyond measure. I thank you for the opportunity that salvation gives us to have hope, not a wavering hope, not a wishy-washy hope, but an assurance that when this life is over, we will be resurrected in an amazing spiritual body, God, and we will spend eternity with you forever and ever and ever. Help us to remember the significance of all of that in our life. Allow it to motivate us to be the thing that gets us through the difficult times. Be with us and open our hearts and minds as we study this morning. May you fill us with your spirit. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Sometimes we look at this verse and, and we, we maybe teach it in a magical way. In a magical way. And what I mean by that is, is maybe we teach it and go, hey, if you repent and are baptized and are filled with the Holy Spirit, everything in your life is going to be great. Once you become a child of God, everything is going to be wonderful. It's going to take all the problems out of your life. You know, God's going to be there to help you overcome everything. But the truth of the matter is, that's not the magic that's in this verse. That's not the power that's in this verse. Because you know as well as I do, if you lived your life very long as a child of God, Christianity is not a magic potion, is it? It's not just going to get rid of all the problems in your life. You see, whether you're a child of God or not, the world's still going to be the world. And it's going to have problems and we're going to have to deal with challenges and we're going to have to deal with moments where we're going to have to find strength to carry on and to move forward. And you see, as a child of God, we have an additional resource that non-Christians, uh, that, that they don't have. And that, that's, the, that's the power of this relationship in a lot of ways. Sometimes we argue over process, though. Sometimes we argue over process of salvation, which I think is an interesting thing to argue over. For those of you who are who are lifetime Church of Christ members, we've brought the uh, um, we've brought the salvation process down into five words. What are they that we that we need to remember? We need to hear, believe, repent, confess. Y'all are the most enthusiastic group of people I've ever heard about that. Some of y'all are sitting there going, "I think that's right. I think that's right." Does that sound simple? You, we, we teach it like it should be simple. Did you know that I have had other, I have had other members that have grown up in the churches of Christ just like you that have argued with me about that process? And here's the story. Here's the story. There was one Sunday morning, I was offering the invitation and as part of my invitation, I go and hear, believe, repent, confess is where I got to. And I go, 
And I, I started talking about the importance of confessing Christ as your Savior. And how Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father. And, I, and I'm talking about that. And, 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 I, and I get through my uh, sermon, get through my invitation. We have the invitation song. And I'm standing at the back door. And this man comes up to me. This is always my favorite phrase as someone walks out the door. Believe it or not, I've heard it several times. You're wrong, preacher. And I'm trying to, you know, think what have I said in my sermon that was wrong because I'm never wrong when I preach. Um, that's a joke. You can laugh. And I'm thinking, what is what in the world is he talking about? He goes, confession is not about confessing the name of God. And I go, well, I, I think it is. He goes, no, it's about confessing your sins. And I go okay, I think that's a fair point. I think that's something that maybe we could, we could discuss. No, we're not going to discuss it. You're just wrong. And he walks out the door. Those are my favorite conversations in the world. And so even in this concept that we would consider easy to understand, we have conflict about sometimes what it, what it means. Now, that's something that the majority of us all understand, okay, that, that process, you step out of the realm of things that we all pretty well have in common, and you get into the realm of a lot of other people teaching a lot of other things that bring maybe just as much confusion to the salvation process. Things like all you have to do is raise your hand and say a prayer. Just let Jesus into your heart. We, you know, we're going to have our, our baptism service six weeks from now. My personal favorite is send me $40 and you'll be saved. I've been thinking about getting in that business once I've had this fourth kid. We have so much confusion in our religious world about salvation. About the most important thing that the Word of God has to offer. And people ask, if we're both saved but in different ways, isn't that okay? If we're both saved in different ways, isn't that okay? And I've been asked that question by several people through the years. And, and I'll be honest with you, they don't mean it in an ugly way. They don't mean it in a demeaning way. They're not trying to argue. They're being sincere in their thoughts. And my question is this, why do we ask questions like that? Why do we ask questions like that? Why do we ask questions about different methods of salvation? Because the Bible never talks about different methods of salvations. See, in the Bible, the question just simply was, what do we have to do? Not can you do it this way or that way. It was simply, tell me what I need to do and I'm going to do it. You see, in Acts chapter 2, it's an amazing story because... It's a situation that I think in a lot of ways would make a lot of us really uncomfortable because it would be out of our, you know, our normal way of things happening. But all the apostles are standing up and they're preaching and they're speaking in tongues and they're hearing, you know, all these different languages. And Peter's words are, are kind of brought to the forefront and, and we hear, we, we read kind of what Peter says. And as Peter's talking about what all of these people had, had done to Jesus, all of a sudden, someone in the crowd stops him. They just blurt out, hey, and this is Matthew's remix here, okay? 
What do we have to do to make this right? Now, what would we do if during the middle of my sermon someone stood up and go, Preacher, stop. Stop what you're saying. Everybody would be like, they need to sit down and be quiet. Preacher's not done yet. There's an appropriate time for him to... You know, this guy just says, stop what you're saying, Peter. What do we have to do? to make, just, just tell us what we have to do. We, we get it. You don't have to say any more words. Just tell us what we have to do. And he says, repent, be baptized, and be filled. And there wasn't any conversation about, you know, are we saved underwater or, or out from when we come up out of the water? Do we get the Holy Spirit when we're under the water? Do we repent, repent once? Do we repent twice? There was never any of those questions. It was just, what do we do? You need to repent. You need to be baptized. You need to be filled. And then guess what they all did? They just did it. They just did it. So today what I want to do is I want to maybe try to help you throw out any doubts that you may have about your salvation. I want us to do it without thinking about anybody's particular theology, about anybody's particular doctrine. And I want us to just talk about these three words that Peter uses through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God, and listen to what he says is important to, the answer, to, to answer the question, what do I need to do? The first thing he says is we need to repent. We need to repent. I've got a whole series of lessons on repentance that we're going to get to at some point because I believe repentance is, is a very deep subject that we don't give near enough attention to. I think it's a, a subject that gets put behind baptism. Even though on our list, it's on the front side of baptism. Most of our teaching, most of our doctrine centers around baptism and we don't talk and teach enough about repentance and there's a really big problem with that because what happens what happens is when we don't teach about true repentance we get this idea that I can become a Christian and still live my life the way I want to it's just now I have Jesus with me now I have Jesus with me and I just can keep doing the things that I've always wanted to do. I mean, yeah, I've changed my life a little bit, the easy places, but I've not truly turned my heart to follow God. See, repentance is such an important part of the process. Repentance is more than just turning away, but it's turning away to follow something. So let me put it to you this way. Blair and I have been married for 10 years now. We've known each other for 11. As a matter of fact, 11 years this month, we met. 11 years ago, if you were to ask Blair to describe Matthew in one word from our first date, the word she would use would be magnificent. Okay, so the real word that she would use is jerk. When we met and when we got to know each other, I was the most sarcastic individual you have ever met. Don't get me wrong. 
If we're going to get in a spitting contest to see who the most sarcastic is in the room, I'm going to be right up there. But you see, I was a single guy living by myself, doing my own thing, living life the way I wanted to. And then I meet this beautiful young lady and I have kind of a vision for my life and even what my life would be like for uh, me to get married and, and have a family. And she has that vision as well. But you see, when she came into my life and she began to change me, what I did, follow me here, is, is in a word, is I repented. What I did is I turned. I changed. I gave up the things that I was doing in my single life. Even the things that I enjoyed. Even things that brought me happiness because this, this girl that I was falling in love with became so much more important than anything I was doing in my own life by myself. I was wanting to give up anything and do anything that it took to show her how much I loved her and to give her my full devotion. If it meant leaving where I was working and going working somewhere else, that's what I did, okay? I gave it all up and followed her because the life with her was going to be so much better than the life by myself. Now you multiply that by a thousand and that's repentance in your life with Christ. I have all of these things going on in my life that I enjoy, that I'm doing, that I'm living. They're not even always bad things. But they're not as beneficial as following Jesus. And I have to love Jesus enough. Repentance is loving Jesus enough to give up all this other stuff. It's not just turning and grabbing a suitcase full of some of the stuff and go, oh, I'm following Jesus now. No, it's letting go of it all and saying, Jesus, you're the only thing in my life. And the sad thing to me as I've been in ministry for these years now is I realize that because we've not truly taught what repentance is, a lot of Christians haven't truly repented. Yeah, they've been baptized. Yes, they're Christians but they've not truly let go of their old life. They still struggle with those things that used to bring them happiness. And they're still putting them above their Savior. And you see, Peter starts with repent. Peter starts with repent. He said this salvation process for you starts with letting go of things. Of saying, Jesus, I love you so much. I realize that Jesus said it like this. He said it's like you're out in a field and you dig up um, this, this, this jewel and it's priceless and you put it back and you go back and you sell everything that you own so you can come back and buy this field and have this priceless piece of jewelry. And Jesus said that, that's what it's like. It's giving everything up for Him. Not holding on. It's realizing my life is so much better with Jesus than without Him. It's not saying my life is okay with this life and some of Jesus. That's not repentance. But yet that's what we do most of the time. And so I challenge you this morning with a simple question, and that is, have you truly repented? 
in your life as a follower of Jesus, do you truly live a repentant life where you say, this world is not important to me anymore? These things are not these things that make me happy. Like I said, whether they're good or bad, not all good, not, not all things that sometimes get in the way of Jesus are necessarily evil. Okay, they're just distractions. Are you really giving those things up and wholeheartedly looking at Jesus and say, it's all you, man. That's all that matters. Because that's what we're called to first and foremost above everything else. First, we have to repent. And so have you repented in your own life? Now, the next word is baptized. And here, here's the question. Here's the question that, that I hear, that you hear, that we know. Do I have to be baptized to be saved? Do I have to? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And start with me in verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 18. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Do you, do you, do you get the point of that verse? He's setting the scene here. He's saying Jesus died for you. Jesus died so that you were go so that you would no longer be unrighteous. The righteous came and died for the unrighteous so that we may be righteous in the sight of God. Keep going. Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who destroyed long ago, who were destroyed long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Now follow me. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Now some of you go, hey, there, there it is. It says baptism saves us. And it does. And that's an important verse right there. But the rest of the verse is equally important because you see, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can look at this verse and make baptism just about an act. Just about going through a process. But you see, there's more to baptism than just getting wet. And he's going to say that as much. He says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus. Now listen, this is the struggle that we have in the religious world. This is the struggle that we have. On one side... We stand and we say, baptism saves you. And you go to the other side and other people are saying, no, your confession, just giving your life to God saves you. Now here's the issue that we struggle back and forth with as we try to talk to our friends and as we try to live in a world with confusion about salvation. And Peter comes along. He's already talked about in Acts 2 what? Uh, repentance, baptism, Holy Spirit. And now he's going to talk about baptism a little bit deeper. And he says, look, it's both of them. It's not just baptism and it's not just pledging your life as a good conscience. He said it's a combination of both. And if you don't have them both together, you don't find salvation. 
He says your baptism saves you, but it's not just about removing the dirt. It's not just about the actual act of getting wet. He says it is about pledging your life, a life of a good conscience towards God. So if we live, if we live with the idea that baptism's just about an act, we're wrong. If we live with the idea that it's just about pledging our life, we're wrong. We have to merge those two together because that's where they are in scripture. That my baptism is that moment that I am pledging my life to God. It is that moment that with a good conscience, I'm saying, you are my Savior. And when I put those two acts together in that moment of baptism, then I am saved, and I love this, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? That was weak, y'all. So our baptism is so important because it saves us. But let's also make sure we understand that it's not just the physical act that saves us. It is the condition of our heart. It has to be in the right place. Or that baptism is just getting wet. And it does us no good. So repentance, baptism. And then finally, maybe the part of this verse that is talked about the least in our, in our church families across America because it's so hard for us to understand sometimes, and we're not going to dive just head deep into it today. We are here in a few weeks, but not today. But he says you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough because it brings confusion a lot of times, and we like to stay away from things that bring confusion. And also, and I tell people this because, you know, we have this idea of who God is. Okay, We have this idea of who Jesus is through an abundance of, of, of Scriptures and passages. But we, have this, we struggle with trying to figure out who the Holy Spirit is because in our minds, we can fit God into a box. In our minds, we can fit Jesus into a box. We can say that this part of the Bible is about God and this part of the Bible is about Jesus. And then we get to the Holy Spirit and we're like, Hmm, I'm not really sure how to put this guy in a box because I can't find a whole lot said about him. But if you really read the Word of God, there's just as much said about him. As a matter of fact, he's right there at the very beginning. The very beginning. He's there. And so we try to fit him into this box like we fit the other parts of the Godhead and we can't figure out how he goes in there, so we just kind of ignore him. But here's the thing, people. You can't put God in a box. God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. You can't put them in a box. You'll never fully understand any part of the Godhead because He's God. Now, we can have some understanding. We can have some enlightenment of who God is, but never the fullness of it. So let's quit worrying about making Him fit in a box and let's try to figure out how He fits in our lives. Amen? And that's the point of this verse. That's the point of this verse is that the Holy Spirit has to be part of our life. We have to allow Him to dwell within us, to encourage us. We have to understand that He is the sealing of that promise. He is, he is our brand, if you will. We're going to talk about that from the book of Ephesians here in just a few weeks. That He is, when people look at us, they shouldn't see us, they should see the Holy Spirit. And when they see the Holy Spirit, they know who we belong to, and that is God. 
But you see, many of us, because we can't understand the Holy Spirit, we've kind of left Him out. We've pushed Him to the side and we're not letting Him fill our life. But here's what's wrong with that. When we don't allow the Holy Spirit to fill our life, then the world is going to fill our life. True repentance comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Because what we've done is we've pushed out the world enough that God's able to move in. You see, the Holy Spirit is tied to our salvation. The Holy Spirit is tied to our repentance as well. They all work together. They're not some step or process that I've done this one, I checked this one off, and I moved to the next one. No, it's a fluid motion. It's a fluid motion that's all tied together. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to truly fill you, to indwell in you, and live in you? Because to be saved, that's part of salvation. Now, as we think about this passage from Acts chapter 2, a passage that we've all heard so many times probably in our life, my question is, where are you with it? Where are you with this particular passage? I think we probably will look at it and find ourselves at different stages along the way with the understanding of how this verse should affect our life. You may be someone that has just not done any of it and you're looking at it and going, wow, I've heard this for the first time and I'm not really sure what to do with it. Let's talk more about that, okay? Find me and let's talk more. Maybe you're looking at it and you're going, okay, I've never done any of this, but I believe what you're saying here. I see it. Let's put it into action. Let's repent. Let's be baptized and let us allow God to fill you up. But then maybe you're one of these lifelong Christians that look at it and you've got parts of it that you've done. Maybe you've not completely repented of things in your life. You've not truly let go. Maybe you've looked at baptism as an act more than a true spiritual experience with God. Maybe you've not allowed the Holy Spirit to truly fill you up in life. Figure out what this verse means to you. What these words where you are with these words that Peter says we have to be living by and put them in their proper place. And make sure that you're living a true life of salvation in a biblical way. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, I thank You for this time. I thank You for Your Word that, that God that we have a habit of just messing up sometimes. That, that we have the ability to say, I've got the way to understand this and my way is the right way. And God, we should always seek truth. But God, also help us to seek truth with true humility. Help us to seek true salvation, but to seek it through true humility, God. I just thank you for this moment in history where Peter stood up and through your power spoke these words and showed us beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we want to be right with you, if we do these things, we'll never have any doubt in our life. And God, today I want us to be able to erase all doubt to erase all doubt that we may have about whether we're right with you, whether I've been taught right or I've been taught this or that. God, help us just to listen to your word. Not, not my words, not the words of other preachers, but your words, God. And not just listen to them, God, but to obey them and act upon them.
to be convicted by them and to live by them every day. God, help us to repent in our life. Repentance is not a one-time thing because Satan is always there. He's always sneaking around waiting to pounce on us. Help us to let go of the things of this life and just give everything of our life to you. Help us to understand the true value and importance of the act of baptism and the spiritual nature of committing our life to you, that they're so woven together that they can never be separated. Help us to understand the power of your Holy Spirit that should be living and dwelling in each and every one of us, God. And if in any way we're lacking in any of these three areas, convict us to change, God. Convict us to live a life greater than when we arrived today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is a God. There is a God. He is a If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.